Hello and welcome to the Zwift SBS podcast. Zwift is the app that connects you to cyclists all over the world and makes indoor training fun. There are structured workouts, training plans that are really easy to follow, online group rides, and why not try a few races? You can also organize a meetup with a bunch of friends. You might just have to make your own coffee at the end. With Zwift, you can even listen to this podcast while you ride around the Champs-Élysées. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Get a free seven-day trial, no strings attached, at Zwift.com. Ride on. Bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. Welcome to the Zwift SBS Cycling Podcast. Maka, you are with me once again. Uh, once again. And look, the sun is out. We're getting a last little taste of summer here down in Victoria. It's nice, isn't it? Because... I don't know if we've had one. Have yeah, we? Have uh, we? Uh, I know, I know. It's, it's all depending on uh, when you're listening to this podcast because it's probably going to change when uh, we publish this <laughs> oh, tonight we'll or tomorrow. It'll be pouring rain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So disregard that, folks. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So today we have a, a special guest in our podcast. We do. Uh, and no ageism, my cap, uh, but we're bringing the youth with us is uh, Emily Watts. How are you, Emily? I am very good. Thank you for having me. So you you are with us because uh, we'll talk about cycling. You have a, a really good start of the season and uh, seasons as well last year. But also, let's, let's say it straight away. You you started a podcast. I did. I um, I bit the bullet. I've been thinking about it for a little while, and yeah, I started a podcast. <laughs> that's a, that's a line that a lot of people are saying these days. Oh, this could be a podcast, or I'm starting a podcast. But what did you make you start a podcast? Well, it was actually in last year when I was in America. I dabbled with the idea of actually starting a podcast named the BFG of the Peloton. It didn't really get started purely because I was doing full-time uni at the time when I got back from America and it just, I didn't have enough time. Um, so over the summer of cycling that we had in Australia, where I obviously did the Nationals, Bay Crits, Cadells and Tour Down Under, I kind of went a bit cycling crazy, to be honest. Um, when I finished that uh, block, I had a week off training. Um, I didn't want to look at my bike. I didn't even want to think about training. And I thought, what am I going to do when I go to Europe for three months? I'm going to be climbing up the walls. I need an outlet to get a hobby or do something that's going to make it ex make my time over there a bit exciting. But then I also thought, I have so such a good outlet of people that I have around me. I haven't been in the sport for a long period of time, but I have experienced some great opportunities and met some great people. And I wanted to get a bit of insight into what um, some of the questions that I asked them and also give an insight to people what it's like being in a team as well. I hope when I'm in Europe that I'm able to interview a lot of my teammates and a lot of the staff that's in Bridge Lane, but also give young women who are thinking of going to Europe a little bit of an insight and a little bit of almost assistance in hopefully I'm going to uh, learn all the lessons that they, they don't have to, in a sense. So do, do you think there's a there's been a little bit of that lacking, Emily, in, say, the women's peloton? I mean, I know there's it's, it's becoming a bit of a groundswell now in general with the, you know, the, the media and the, the coverage. But, yeah, I think that point you make that, you know, sort of uplifting the next generation of women. So do you feel like that was lacking, say, and you're still very young, but, you know, two, three years ago when you were sort of navigating your way, you know, into that elite level? Yeah, I think it was. And I like at that time that you talk about two, three years ago, I'm not sure when life in the peloton started, but 
obviously as a woman as a woman I would train and I would listen to life in the peloton and I would think oh these these are such great stories but what is it like in the women's peloton like he does speak to women in the peloton but I think as a young person I was like oh it'd be really interesting to see what it's like um from a women's side and yeah I found a little gap in the market and my statistics are looking good that it's targeted between that 18 to 22 um, female age category is where the um, the statistics are quite high, which is exciting. And, you know, Christoph and I, we we use our contacts and I use my contacts a bleep, they're evaporating because I'm 20 years <laughs> retired. No, no ageism with it. No ageism, <laughs> no ageism. But do you, um, I guess in a serious sense, you know, you are now an elite professional cyclist do you feel like you know you'll be able to sort of knock on the doors or or message a few of the sort of um higher profile women and you'll you'll break down those barriers and you know be able to get them on your pod you know a lot easier than say other podcasts will yeah i really hope so and i I, you probably guys know you guys messaged me through social media and social media has such a great platform where we can reach basically anyone but it's whoever replies as you guys probably have tried before, maybe you haven't got some replies, but um, yeah, I'm hoping that that I can pop into people's social media and get those higher um, ranked people and yeah, get those, their insights as well. But I'm getting my confidence up with people that I know at the moment. Um, so I've had some really good chats with, my first one was with Katie Banerjee. Obviously she's a really great friend of mine. And then I went on to Pat Shaw we had to break, I had to break the podcast into two because we had such a good chat that was so long. So I'm getting those people that are closest to me first to get my confidence up on the mic. Yeah, Pat, Pat can talk a little bit. I yeah? was just about <laughs> to say, I mean, you get you get the Pat Shaw rolling and I tell you what, and also Christoph said, you know, you had to go through your press officer, your, manage, your managing <laughs> agency before you replied. I mean, she's, you know, we've worked really hard just to get you here. <laughs> no, I think I jumped straight on it. I saw the message come through and I was like, I, I, I just did a, I just did a two minute trailer. I was like, I haven't even done an interview yet. I was like, what happens if it fails? But no, I loved like you guys sent a message to me as soon as I did it. And um, I think obviously I'm doing it um, as a hobby and I am obviously looking at the analytics and the amount of views that I'm getting, which obviously boosts me to do it more. I think the more exposure it gets, the more I'm going to feel that I need to make a want to make it for other people and get that content out yeah it's quite it's quite, it's quite interesting because uh as a cyclist you probably look at your data day in day out what you i mean what you're putting your weight and your power and, and and so on and so on so you have to apply that to the your stats on spotify and, and everywhere else yeah well, welcome to our world uh, emily yeah i know I'd, I'd never even thought about it before but it's like it's um you almost want to look at it before, just before you go to bed and you're like, oh no, maybe it'll be really bad and I won't sleep well. Or, you know, I had the episode released yesterday with Pat Shaw and I was like, oh, I won't look at the analytics till for a few more days, see, get a few more views to boost my confidence a bit. <laughs> yeah, definitely get get some tips off Christoph at the end of this pod because he is the data stats guru, mm-hmm. Emily. He, <laughs> he constantly prods me. We have a separate messaging service just for the data yeah. that he sends me. It's that big. Um, hey, um, let's. It's great talking about the pod, but let's talk no, about cycling. Let's, yeah, let's cycling. talk cycling, and let's talk about what your plans are for you know the season as it ramps up. Because I'm really curious about not just yourself, but also Team Bridgeline. 
Yeah, so obviously we had a cracker of a season uh, with Nationals and Baycrits and then continuing on from TDU and Osh- um, Oshies, Cadells. Um, but we do have Oshies uh, next week. Um, and obviously, even on another standpoint from Bridgeland, we did just have um, track nationals. And even though they're not um, riding in Bridgeland kit, they are racing in their state kit. Um, we have had a massive, really great turnout with our women in Nicole Duncan and Fliss. Um, but going on from that, we'll have Oshies and then Grafton. And then actually the day after Grafton, we all fly out to Europe, which is the most exciting prospect for the year for us. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you can't tell us exactly what you're going to do in Europe. Uh, probably there's a part of a secret as well, uh, still in uh, <laughs> your, your entries and different races. Uh, that's all part of cycling. But uh, t- talk to us about uh, this year that has been, because we spoke a lot with Pat on the the rebirth of the, the Bridge Lane brand on cycling, the creation of the, of the, of the women um, team. We went through with him on the whole uh, impact as well that social media had as well on him getting crowdfunding and so on. How was this as a, as a rider when you got picked up, you got selected? Uh, talk to us about this process for you to end up in the team today. Um, so actually it was, it was the, the way I got in Bridgeline is a bit, I think, different. Not, it's just a bit not different. It's interesting in that me and Pat kind of both met in the middle um, I approached him, but he also approached me at almost the exact same time, um, which is kind of awesome. We both wanted to be, he wanted me in the team and I want to be in the team. So yeah, it was, um, meant, it was meant to be basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and yeah, it was super exciting. He told me some of the uh, girls that were going to be signing and um, the potential of some racing that we were going to be doing next year. And obviously I've been in a few teams that um, in their first years, so I was in Staminade in their first year, and then I was in Giant in their first year, and I was with Knights in their first year, and I was like, I'm just making a, um, a sport of this in just trying out new teams in their first year of creation. I should have gone to Inform and just tested the waters there. Um, but so I went to Bridge, came to Bridge Lane, and it has been a really great experience. And me and Pat talk about it a bit in our podcast yesterday that it's you sign a contract and it's it's um the team wants a big thing on culture and joining a team that was already created and has already a really strong history um in the men's field it was interesting coming in with the women in that the culture had almost been written for us but we just had to fill in a few jigsaw puzzles that had like been created in a sense so it's been really exciting filling in those jigsaw puzzles with the girls and just having fun with it really i think it is a, like it's a, a sport that the team is such a strong commodity so it's really exciting i, I, I imagine it is and is it just to go a little bit more on that culture you know that that word now is thrown around a lot in organizations and in sporting teams etc so was a part of that emily that you girls you were the one, like, yes, the culture was there, obviously, via the men's team that had been around and had great success. But was a little bit of it also about, you know, girls creating the culture for the girls or women, you know, creating that culture for women as well? Because I imagine, you know, no matter what, it's um, there's, a, there's a different way. Men tick differently to women and so on, and, and women tick differently to men. No, I definitely agree with that. And uh, at Nationals, we had a really good opportunity to build that culture um, together 
So the men and the women were staying at the same accommodation and we even had some of the younger under 23 boys in our comm. So that was really exciting to mesh in with the men and that it wasn't just a separate entity, as I know some teams over in Europe keep at them as separate entities, but they live under the same name. Uh, so that culture was built together, which is a really great opportunity we had at Nationals. It's such a large scale as well, because at Nationals, you don't just have your six or eight people who were selected for the race. It was the whole team. And it, w it was a massive, big week for us with so many staff coming in and out and so many athletes staying at the accommodation. It was actually a really fun experience to meet everyone. And I don't even think I got to meet everyone. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, and you know, almost feel like you're you're at you know at a do they call them frat parties? I know that's a bit of an American term because you were staying at the uni, I think. Yeah, um, we were. Yeah. The frat parties, uh, uh, you may not want uh, to. Uh, we don't want we don't want to know, Christoph. Um, just I just want to touch on Europe just again, Emily. What yeah. what excites you about yourself getting to Europe and racing? As in, what you know, what sort of races do you are you excited about? I'm sure you've been following the women's calendar so far. It's been a pretty exciting start. Um, so what 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 are you looking forward to most and where do you think your strengths are? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, it's interesting because you like where I am, I'm six weeks out from going to Europe. Um, and you almost want to think about it, but it almost stresses you out a bit thinking about it. So you're like, I'll, I'll, it's like an assignment that you don't want to do that you leave to the last minute. So I'll think about that later. I don't want to let Europe stress me out too much um, and just get on with the racing that I have at hand, which is OCs of Grafton. But obviously Europe comes into my head and I know it's going to be um, a bit of a throw in the deep end, even though we did have the world tour racing at the start of the year. Um, but I think one of the races that we've got on the calendar is Turrigan. And that is one that really excites me. Um, I have a little bit of insight that my coach's husband comes from that area. Um, and he, she has actually raced that race before. And he has given me a little bit of insight into that race and the terrain, um, obviously being in Germany. Um, so that's one of the races that most excites me about um, coming to Europe. But also what excites me about Europe is that you can race a Camis every day almost. Um, and the calendar that we do have is very jammed pack and almost isn't possible to do if you stay in Australia. Even though um, we do have local crits, it's not to the same level that they have over in Belgium and Holland. So that really excites me that I can almost go to a race every day and try out a different tactic or take on a new challenge. Yeah, that's one of the exciting factors. And it's something you, you've lived through uh, Macau as well, because you've been to Europe and you know exactly what we're talking about here. Yeah, well, I was going to say, Emily, just, you know, just on the side sidestep of the actual competitive side, you know, the culture and everything in Europe, make sure you get to the city of Ghent. Yeah. When you mentioned Kermises, uh, I, I would suggest, you know, spend a couple of nights in Ghent and um, I concur. go hard, pay Absolutely. hard. You know, just uh, don't, tell, <laughs> don't tell Pat. <laughs> uh, I think Pat's got a nice story about how many espressos can you drink before a race, but that's, that's something you can ask him uh, off, off record. Yeah. Uh, before you go, because I know you, you have to go uh, training as well, so that's uh, thank you for, for sparing the time, a few minutes with us. Quick question on, on your dream. 
-huh. Because when you look at your pedigree in the last few years, you've beaten Neve Bradbury, which has been the uh, Zwift, uh, Swiss champion from the Zwift Academy, Sarah Gigante. All this for you to being able at earlier on in your in your career to be able to beat them and see how much hope there are around these two girls, for example. How much does that feed you? It makes me very excited uh, for my future, to be honest. I, I didn't really, it didn't strike me at the time when I did win the Australian Nationals for under 23s that I was standing on the podium with two girls who were in world tour teams and I had just signed in my first year with Knights. It makes me super excited, but also at the same time, when I was during that period, I almost thought to myself, what am I doing? Why am I not? in a world tour team with these girls why why are people not approaching me why um why am i not getting the same opportunities that they get but i had to almost sit down in my seat and go no i've always had my process of what i was going to do i was going to get to my fourth year in uni which i'm in now and uh, go over to europe and dip my toe into that scene that i that uni took precedence for the last four years to finish my degree over going over to the world tour so it does make me really excited that i can hopefully make an impact but also learn a lot from the world tour if that is in my future absolutely we wish you best of luck emily and thank you for sparing the time it was awesome to have a chat and good luck for the the podcast as well just don't become more popular than us that's yeah yeah idea. definitely I'm, I'm already worried about that actually i'm, well, looking, right at, I'm looking at her data i'm yeah. looking at your data <laughs> as we speak no, don't, don't okay. worry but um uh, we didn't actually mention the name in it which i'm reminding yeah, myself go now for it. Um, this is your this is your your soapbox. Go on, go on. <laughs> follow on Spotify, Diary of a Cyclist, if you want to hear any stories about Europe, me. Um, it's going to be super exciting to see with the potential where it goes. You can also grab us on Instagram, Facebook a little bit, but more of Instagram. And yeah, just jump on Spotify, Diary of a Cyclist. Give us a follow. And yeah, we'll scratch your back, and, and then you just don't, you know every now and then just subliminally drop the um, SBS podcast name in there. That's you know, no, well, yeah. my yeah. Justin, you guys for an interview soon. We'll go reverse. I'll interview. I'll interview. <laughs> oh my god! Now I'm nervous. I'm nervous already. It haven't been a long time since we've done that. Uh, well done, Emily. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. What a cool shot. And I, I really like this uh, energy you can feel behind the mic quiver. Yeah, she's she's great. She's um, You can see, you can listen by her voice. She's really bubbly. She's one of those real positive yeah. persons. And I'll tell you a, a really quick little story. Yeah, no, she's gone. gone. She's gone. Yeah, I, I wanted to bring it up actually while she was there, but we sort of had so much to talk about. Um, Cadell's race on, yeah. the, on the Sunday, the men's race, obviously the women race Saturday. And herself and Gina Ricardo, who is on, who's also on Team Bridge Lane, and um, they were rolling around in Steam Packet Gardens there in Geelong, and they saw us on stage and they went, ah, oh, might come up and join join you. And obviously I had Gracie Alvin with me on the couch on the platform. So they came up and sat down, chatted with us for about half an hour. But the first 10 minutes they're chatting, and then I said, uh, my producer, I was mm -hmm. obviously watching through the camera, and he said, oh, you've got some guests. He said, well, we better interview them then. Yeah. <laughs> I said, right, girls, come on. We're going to have a chat. And they're like, oh, well, we didn't come up here with that. I said, you come up and, you come <laughs> and sit on the couch in your team kit. you got to have a chat. I mean, they must have been bored out of their brains to want to come yeah. and sit on the couch with us for half an hour. But... Talking of couch, you're such a professional, Micah. The couch story around Milan-San Remo. 
and that photo with uh, <laughs> Mathieu van der Poel. That is hilarious, that, isn't it? Like, can How you get a bigger couch? Can that you is, get a bigger... They, it's a bit like The Simpsons. Yeah, you know, that, yeah. you know that, the last scene of The Simpsons when they all rush to get on the family couch and then they... they yeah, exactly. Or three of them. I think it's Homer that falls off. It was, And they're all... And they're not small guys. No. They're all six foot. <laughs> Look, someone just went, oh, we got, um, you know, we got sponsorship for a couch, but it's only a two-seater. <laughs> classic. Classic. You know, no, no. Classic Italians, right? Classic Italians. They're descending the Poggio and they're like, right, everyone in order. Okay, podium's yeah. ready to go. They're going to be here in 10 minutes. Where's Where? the couch? <laughs> we don't have a couch. <laughs> but anyway, oh, uh, we'll talk no. about the, the race as well. Uh, Mathieu Van der Poel, 62 years after his granddad um, uh, put you your love that, I, don't, yeah. I just love that story. It's cool. Uh, it it's is cool. And, and I just love it. If you have a chance to rewatch some of the, mm. uh, the in France, a lot of um, uh, archival footage came out, and there's a great footage where Poulidor brings a young 12 year old or 14 year old. Uh, um, Mathieu Van der Poel and he calls him his little marvel like yeah. he's, he's my marvel he's my, he's my jewel but he's introducing him to everyone yeah and, and how proud was he oh, you yeah, see this so so end. proud yeah but but that that victory uh, I mean the way he's built it because let's remember how this happened he rode the fastest Poggio climb ever ever 40 kilometers an hour yeah and you you know the Poggio that's insane it's it's quite a hard yeah, time, look, but, look but, it's a gradual climb. But after after the length as well. Yeah, after done. 280 kilometres, 70 kilometres. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what's incredible. And there's there's one photo I saw post-race of, of the four of them when Pogacar's lit it up. Mm-hmm. And um, of the four, Van der Poel is on the back. The rest of them are grimacing. Pog's putting a smack down, just trying to ride them off the wheel. Van Arts grimacing. Um, who was the third guy there? I've forgotten already. Uh, Gunner. Ah, Gunner, of course. The Italian. Van der Poel is on the back, expressionless. Yeah. So that tells the story. He was he was the freshest at that point, and he was just waiting. And if anything, Pogacar lit it up perfectly for Van der Poel. So, quick question: Pogacar lit it up exactly where he was expecting. There was mm. the uh, uh, the the exact. It, uh, in the uh, place in yeah. the climb where he's lit it up, and that was predicted by pretty much everyone. Too, mu- too, too much. Uh, was it too predictable? Uh, secondly, because he, he could not make the indent that he's done before, like he's did in Paris. We're going to talk yeah. about this in a second. He's done a massive indent in the last stage of Paris that secured his win. Yeah, but he wasn't able to do it on on Milan San Remo. Yeah, and is there anything to read on it? What, what, what oh, is look, there? there's little elements you could have. You could have. What 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 they could have done? He had he had his teammate on the front who did a, a, a fantastic job lighting it up. You but know, everybody knew in the commentary. His, everyone knew he was going to go, and he was going to go at the greenhouses. Yes, yeah, so the he was greenhouses. This is where he's going. Yeah, so he was second wheel. What he should have had, what they should have done, is put two teammates behind him. Matteo Trentin then let mm-hmm. let the wheel go, but Trentin let the wheel go further back in the group. What they should have done is tried to put two teammates directly behind him to then let the wheel go immediately. So yeah, just break it straight break away. Break it straight away to give him two to three lengths. That way then Van Art and that would have had to close it. And then they would have been they would have had to fight to close that gap. They would have closed it, but it would have hurt them a bit more. So you know, hindsight's a wonderful yeah. thing. Um, and this is this is when they need Alan Piper. I'm y- sorry. This yeah, is when they need Alan Piper in the car. Yeah, so let's let's yeah let's digress to that, shall we? Because they will not have Alan Piper in a car mm. at the Tour de France, and uh, I'm really uh, I don't know if I can say it, I'm peed off by this one. 
Yeah, I haven't. You alerted me to it, so I haven't really read uh, anything about Kath, it. Caf actually. Oh, Caf, was it? Yeah. yeah. So, what's what's to it? Well, the, the thing is, from what I'm reading, Alan Piper was all you know. We know the the health issues that he had. He was yeah. on the remand. He was going back. He's healthier. He's and he was. Go, I think he actually said himself, he's going to go back in the car mm. and help Pog to win back the Tour de France, and that yeah. was the thing. And then all of a sudden, there's a statement from UAE saying that. Basically, in a nutshell, I'm translating and I'm uh, paraphrasing, but since Alan Piper left, we grew bigger and we pretty much too big for him to just manage. And I'm very disappointed. Uh, mm, I don't know. And we haven't, an I haven't heard from Alan Piper. Yeah, I don't know if you have, but it's an interesting way to just yeah. part ways. Uh, uh, look, look the, the, the other side of it is too, they had that golden moment together. Pogacar and Piper when, when mm-hmm. Pog won his first tour on, on, on the slopes of La Ponche de Bafi. And those moments, you think that they live on forever. They do as a snapshot. But 12 months, two years passes. And yes, you know, and and being being biased Australians, we, we you know, obviously have got Alan's back as a, as a director. And the reason Pog maybe lost last year was because he didn't have someone like Piper calling the shots he was he was like a rabbit chasing everything and you know used up all his all of his energy however sometimes one or two years pass new people come into the fray in a squad and potentially Pogacar is quite happy now and he's content and so part of the decision making you don't know could have been in consultation with Pogacar himself so I'm with you I, I, I want Piper back yeah. but but it's it's one of those things you sort of go, oh, wow, this is an amazing nine-person team. This team will never change. We're going to go back to the tour again with the whole nine people. And then midway through the year, you've got to give two of those guys the, the dear John letter and say, you know what, actually, you're not fitting in with this nine, unfortunately, because mm-hmm. we've got two others here on the sidelines are actually stepping up a bit better. Okay, It's brutal. It's harsh. And I'm not saying that's the case with Alan, um, but there are... Yeah, there's there's obviously a few other factors. Um, yeah. I think Matty Keenan was saying during Paris Nice, um, Pogacar's one of his director sportifs now, and I think he's been there. I think he's been with him most of the time at since he turned pro. Is Slovenian, so you know Pog obviously has got his really trusted people around him and from his own nation that that he's had through his junior ranks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I'd imagine he's got a bit of a say in it. Okay, um, okay. you would think, wouldn't you? That would be a question to ask mm. uh, to, uh, to 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 Alan Piper or mm. to Pog uh, yeah. at some point. But yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm maybe we'll get it out of hell one day. I don't know. Yeah, I'm disappointed. Yeah. That's all yeah. I want to say. Pidoff might be a, a big word, but yeah. I'm at least disappointed. Okay. Yeah. Uh, since we're talking about Pogacar, the demonstration of the Pog in Paris Nice uh-huh. and the way he's won this. Uh-huh. I mean, clearly it's early in the season but clearly is sounding the alarm bells for everybody else at the minute yeah. for the Tour de France. Yeah, he is. And look, it all it all happened on the, I think it was the first of the summit finishes, about stage three or four, and Vingegaard attacked him first, yeah. which sort of surprised us. We thought there'd be a little bit of a standoff. And in the end, Pogacar covered him, waited, waited, and he rode. It was almost like they swapped roles of the way they both raced at the Tour de France mm-hmm. last year. Yeah, absolutely. And then Vingegaard, suddenly the cracks appeared and he lost time. And he just, it wasn't just, uh, you know, he didn't lose just time to Pog. He was losing time to other riders, which that surprised us a bit more. Yes, it is early season. You know, they'll be talking it down, playing it down. Um, and they already Yeah. Yep. 
But there is no denying that Pogacar was on another level yeah. to everyone there. And up to the finish, because uh, mm. in that last stage, 20 kilometers, I think, oh. or 15 or 20 kilometers from the end, he Pogacar almost pulled just him went. In. Yeah. And that's it. Finished. Yeah. Yeah. That was finished. Final climb. Final climb. And it was four kilometers. Yep. And by the finish, he had 50 seconds, but he sat up in the last 400 meters and, you know, lost probably 20. But he, yeah, it was a dominant display. It really was. Yeah, so, um, absolutely. Yeah. On the other side of the border, uh, Chirano Adriatico, yep. uh, it's the winner of the Paris last year. That's one it. Roglic. Mm. Roglic is back. He's back. Is he, is ne- has he been away? I don't know. Yeah, he's, <laughs> never, been, he's never gone. He's maybe uh, just dropped down two spots on the podium. But yeah. he. But the funny fact is that uh, last year's winner of Chirano Adriatico is Pogacar. Yeah. And last year of Paris winners is Roglic. So yep. he swaps it. And you can argue now Roglic is looking as good as ever and the best he's ever looked or as equal because he won stage one of Catalonia. Overnight, I think he was second on a big summit finish, actually, 2,000-metre summit finish. Um, Giulio Ciccone, the Italian, he won that stage. I was a little bit surprised, I must say, just because of the high altitude. Evanapol looks good. But, yeah, just back on Roglic. He's leading Catalonia. It's always a big, big... Uh, to uh, riders go there with form. None of the big stars go there to train. This is a proper bike race, this one, and Roglic is looking really well. And it's also the feeder for the Giro, when mm. we know Paris-Nice is more or less the feeder for the Tour de France. Uh, so that, that that tells us we can expect fireworks in the Giro because Roglic should be there and the little problem of uh, Remco and Vonopol as well. That should be there as well. Yeah, that's that's Among, right. We, amongst we, others. Y- yeah, we keep forgetting that Evanapol is going to the Giro, not to the Tour this year. And, you know, in those beautiful world championship colours, the Giro is going to yeah. be... And, and it's going to be on SBS, of course. Well, on SBS, we've got Jack Haig who's going there. He's building. Jack is doing Catalonia as well. He's riding from Mikel Lander. But he looked good last night, and so too uh, Jai Hindley. He's going to the Tour de France, yep. but Hindley is in seventh place overall. So he's small amount off the pace. He was 15 seconds off the pace, I think, overnight or thereabouts. But he, he's looking really good for July yeah, at the moment. I'll give you a little insight of uh, my private moment I had in last week, last week or I'm so. I'm not sure I want to know <laughs> no, this, no, and I'm not one. sure our <laughs> listeners want to know it. <laughs> no, it's a good one I can say on air. But uh, Christian Prudhomme, the director of the Tour de France, ah, was, yes. was uh, here in Australia for the last few days. There's a uh, good interview I had with him. If you speak French, I'm mm. sorry, uh, but it's on the SBS French website. But uh, I drove him back to the airport, and uh, in the traffic jam, because being Melbourne, there were traffic jams, we were talking about the Tour de France this year, and I told him there has never been a Polkadot. Yes, I'm back on it. Uh, there's never been a yeah. Polkadot uh, king of the mountain in Paris from Australia. And did he say care he factor? didn't believe me? How do you say care factor in French? <laughs> no, 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 but he didn't believe me, and he had to check. And he went, "Oh yeah, you're right." So I really? know, right. He so, didn't know this. No, he didn't know there was no wow. Australian. So, and then straight away we were talking about one guy, Jai. Uh, mm. saying can he do it uh, you when I said this to you you said straight away he probably can but he won't yeah um, I hope you don't think I'm always shutting <laughs> you down no, on this right. <laughs> <laughs> you throw names to me I'm like nah the, the, thing, the thing that it might happen one day and that day I'm going to rub it back in your face uh, that's you, what I'm waiting for I, that moment <laughs> and I hope I hope it does happen and, and by the way just for the listeners Jai Henley's very capable. Yeah, yeah, I know. yeah I, if, if he actually focused on it, I actually think he could win it. But he won't, obviously. He'll focus on his GC chances after winning the Giro last year. So, But could that be a switchback if he, for example, doesn't make oh, it to the top five, top ten? in, in Definitely. The... Definitely. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, there's... Watch this space. There's a few you. other Aussies that could go for it too. So, yeah. um, who knows? We'll see. Okay, we'll question. See. Uh, where is Jervain? 
Where is Jay Vance? He's What's in Andorra, Ad- I believe. Yeah. Yep. He's back into training. He's, I think his body and everything is back in shape. So I think he's just building back up. Not sure when his next race is. He's another one down for the Giro. So I think, you know. Is Giro the best race for him? Do you think uh, not, not the Tour de France? Oh, I think it's. After the Vuelta last year, I mean, we know he ended up dramatically, but he was uh, lighting up that race. He was really he was. The, 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 the firework on that race. He was going to be the king of the mountain, by the way. Well, um, put it this way if he goes to the Tour, he's working for Pogacha. Yeah. Which is fair <laughs> enough. So, you know, from an Australian perspective, this gives him, a, and, and himself, it gives him a huge opportunity um, at the Giro, you know, to be the protected rider, I guess. There might be another rider in there with him that'll share those duties initially. Almeida? Yeah. Yeah. So, but it's, no, no, I think it is. I think it's a good stepping stone for him. It's not that huge hype of the Tour de France, but the Giro, you know, arguably is, it's, it's certainly more hype than the Vuelta. Um, so I think it gives him, you know, another sort of step towards mm-hmm. that ultimate goal. And, and of course, that potentially means if everything goes well, he could go back to the Vuelta next year if he skips the Tour de France. Of course, the Vuelta could actually be on the card for... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with that team, who knows? It's all, but let's face it, it's the number one objective (laughs) is around Pogacar and whatever he does. And then outside of that, you know, you might get your opportunities. Now, there's also the UAE Tour. There's a... On the, on the cards for that team as well, remember. Yeah, true. <laughs> exactly. Uh, before we talk about the classic, let's talk about the woman. Uh, there was, a, since we spoke, uh, Stradi Bianca woman, which was on SBS as well. And what a finish that has happened between mm. uh, Volering and Kopecky. Winner, Volering, we're not going to say what's happened uh, straight away, what was said on the line and so on. But how close was that finish? Close and, and because two teammates. Yep. And 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 previous winner Kopecky was the previous winner. She was the title yes, holder. Yes, correct, correct. So um, no, no. And then there was a little bit of drama because the the Jake Olula rider, yeah, who had the, the little um, the, meter, the, patch, the, the, the patch reader for the for the uh, glucose levels, yeah. etc., was DQ'd. Yeah, um, we yeah, It's all a bit yeah. strange. And so d- DQ'd days after, not DQ'd on yeah, the spot. Yeah, it's all a bit. Uh, should she have worn the patch if she had known that you weren't? They weren't allowed to she, be worn. She mentioned he wasn't connected. Yeah, but maybe she shouldn't have wore it, wore it in the race. Yeah. That's the conclusion I've but come to. I think to. she won't wear it again. No, no, she won't now, will she? Um, yeah, that was. But back to racing. Uh, yeah. Was Volering right to attack Kopecky the way she did? Like, what was that? Because when we saw, and actually. Kudos to Volering as well because few meters down the line in the climb, she got boxed in on the right hand yeah. side, and you could have gone. This is finished for her. Yeah. But then she went up and then basically uh, managed to win at sprint level against the previous year winner Kopecky. Yeah. So there was obviously no. Well, I'm presuming there was yeah. no discussion between them coming inside that last 500 meters because prior to that. They still hadn't caught the J.K. Lula right. Oh, it was a. Remember in Formula One, there was this multi 21 between Weber and, uh, and Vettel, <laughs> where Weber, Vettel should have let Weber win as like yeah. multi 21. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll never know. Maybe it'll come out one day. Apparently, there were, were words spoken yeah, across Dutch. the line, etc. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dutch expletives, potentially. Can we go to that far? Yeah, no, we, that's where we're going to stay. That's where, we'll, that's where we'll stop it. But um, what was following right to attack? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, yeah, yes, only if nothing was spoken. If there were words spoken beforehand, 
then, you know, whether it was Kapeki's meant to win or Kapeki's going to win and then she's gone against that, then no, she's done the wrong thing. But if there was nothing spoken, you know, she's finished second at the Tour de France last year. Yep. She's no spring chicken. She's no slouch. Mm. She is one of the team leaders of that team. So. And Adiani gave us amazing television. Oh, it was great. To be honest. <laughs> Look, and this is, this, is, this is what's great about the sport of cycling, yeah, and it has to have drama. Yeah, um, that's part of it. So, no, look, it was it was a damn good race. I'll say that much. All, all, all things considered, it was a really, really good race. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Spratty, let's talk about Amanda Sprat. She's yeah. going really well in a, in a new outfit, in a new yeah. team. The change is that what she needed? Do you think? Yeah, she totally did. She totally did. And you know, it wasn't that things were were bad at Jake O'Lawler for her, but it's just that she'd spent her whole professional career there, so she needed to step out of her comfort zone and we've already talked about that but now the proof is in the pudding and she's riding close to back to her best the Amanda Spratt that we've known over the years that that got a you know I think second and third place at the mm -hmm. Giro d'Italia um second and third at the world champs as well so she's back to her best what I'm excited about Spratty now moving forward is the classics most notably yep. Liège Baston Liège mm -hmm. and then I know it's a long way off but for her there's totally unfinished business with the Tour de France. She crashed out terribly last year. It was a really, it was a really nasty crash. And I saw her on the finish line. She was really emotional and she really hurt herself. And and she wasn't in great form, let's be honest. So all things considered, if she can just hold this level that she's at, which I'm pretty confident she will because she's she knows how to do it. Um, she's in good shape and she'll yeah. have a strong turnaround. I, I remember this Tour de France uh, farm this year by Zwift by the way or with Zwift uh, is uh, crossing the Tourmalet so oh, yeah, this yeah, this yeah, is a, nice. in terms of legendary name that you mm. want to put your name down I mean mm. Sprati is, is probably you know also very interested by that yeah and and you know all things we're excited about cycling, but the little restaurant at the bottom of the hill, Ooh. we might have to, um, you know, slip in there for <laughs> a... Um, uh, what, would, what would be the dish of the day? It's always the same dish of the day. So what is it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of meat oh, in I there. I thought you'd give some culture around the Tourmalet, the Pyrenees, what the dish would be. I can't remember. No, because it's actually quite such a melting pot. And yeah. also, I actually don't really know the area. So <laughs> okay, well, I can speak about many other areas. Okay, I'm I've, learning I've about the Pyrenees. mentioned that to the wrong person. <laughs> you I'm do learning. know the restaurant, eh? I know. Yes. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, let's talk about the classics that are ahead of us. The season is well mm. and truly launched. We talked about Milan Sanremo, but you're right. There's a fair few ahead of us, and some really interesting battles again in the men and the women. Yeah, oh, gee, it's yeah, both, both. Look, for me, initially now looking looking forward, which is only what two weeks off, I think. Um, Ronovan Vlanderen and Paul Roubaix in both the men and the women. We're going to have some. Awesome battles, you know. Will Will Lodakapeki looked like looks like she's in scintillating form at the moment. She's had another win as well, just recently in Nocker de Curse, which is sort of a smaller, sort of high, still high level mm -hmm. race. But in Belgium, she's had a win there. Um, obviously, they've got a super strong team with SD Works. But then Annemiek van Vleuten, where's where's she at? Yeah. Where's she at? Is 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 she getting knocked off her perch or is she going to bounce back at Flanders? Re remember that's her final year on Correct. paper at a minute. She's retiring at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. So so where is she at? And also Movistar, the women's team, they've got a super strong team. Leanne Lippert, who's who's switched across there this year, the German. She's probably my favourite rider in the women's peloton at the moment. And she has been for a number of years. I love her style. 
she's she's still quite young. She won the Cadell's race about three years ago, mm-hmm. and she did it in this in brilliant fashion in crappy weather. It was poured rain, and she really stood out. And so, I want to see what she can do. I, I'd love to see her win Flanders. I, I just I'm loving in the women's peloton these new names coming up. Yeah, because we're Absolutely. we're still learning so much about the the women's peloton, and it's growing quickly it's mm-hmm. it's growing a lot quicker than the men's um so that's exciting and then of course the men that the battle will resume for van art matthew van der Poel. is van der Poel the most exciting rider at the moment i think he is and yeah. i think he's honestly uh i think he's grown so much maturity yeah. in this last 12 months yeah uh the way he displayed in milan Sanremo. uh the question is pai roubaix i think for him is pai roubaix gonna be because he's won flanders yeah, he's he, hasn't, he hasn't won Paris-Roubaix, but no, he's no. been on the podium. Yep. Yeah, he's won Milan-Sorimo. So he's got three classics, but two of the same ones. Tw- twice Flanders and one Milan-Sorimo from memory. Yeah, uh, so then the other two, Lombardia and Liège. I was just thinking, just digressing slightly, there was this talk about an article oh, last week about Pogaccia saying he wants to win or he'd like to win the five monuments. We know Phil Gilbert got super close. Milan-San Remo yeah, was the one missing. the one missing, yeah. And that's the Achilles heel for Pogacar because you can argue it's not hard enough for him. Matthew Vanderpol, he's won two. He's podiumed at Roubaix. He'll win Roubaix. I'm pretty confident of that. And I think he's very capable of winning Liège and he's very capable of winning Lombardia. Yeah. It's, um, it's and so too is Van Aert, by yeah. the way. Um, so those two riders, they could be either one of them the first rider in, well, a long, long time to win all five monuments. Um, we had this discussion before. Was it Sean Kelly or was it Merckx? I can't remember. But it's been a long time though. Yeah, absolutely. And and I really think uh, for me, you know, for me, Mathieu van der Poel is the one to watch. I, I agree with all the names you rolled up, mm. but this year for for Paris Roubaix, uh, he's got the potential to m- want to win Paris Roubaix multiple times, and I reckon it's going to start here. Yeah, it's and last last year he got done by Van Baal, uh strategically. But yeah. I, I think I think this year he will not he, he will not let this one slide. Yeah, yeah, you'd think it's you'd think it it's the the one on his hit list. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Milan San Remo obviously was, so he's got a bonus in the bag. <laughs> um, yeah, the monuments are just yeah, absolutely. They are and so they good are to watch. All ahead of us still. Oh, okay. Can't wait. Yeah, and they're all on SPS. Uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, thank you, Maka. Thank was you. A great podcast. And, yeah, uh, it was. Uh, yeah, and thank you for coming this time. Pleasure. This was the uh, Zwift SBS Cycling Podcast. Before we go, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to this podcast on our website, on Spotify, and uh, all the platforms where you're getting your podcast from. And you can log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Until next time, it's bye for now. Before we go, a quick shout out to Zwift the app that turns indoor training into a game. Getting started on Zwift is easy. You just need your bike, a trainer, and your PC, Mac, or Apple device. Zwift offers training plans, interval workouts, and a global community. Get strong and get motivated with every ride. Give people a ride on, and you're sure to get one back, as together you enjoy the massive benefits of social indoor training. Go to Zwift.com today and start your free trial.